0: Hey, everyone. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Bryce Barker, commercial filmmaker and photographer based in Richmond, Virginia, owner of the Real Heroes production. That's the R.E.E.L. Heroes production. He's done a lot of commercial work for businesses in the Virginia area, and he's also a really cool guy. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you for joining us today again. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started in your video production journey.
2: So um, I think a lot of us just being younger, when smartphones or cameras became a thing, it became like, uh, how can I make this look cool? And we had the cheesy filters and the really crappy mm. quality. But some of us who I believe are at right now, Try to do something different with that quality. Um, I remember my first time I really tried photography with a point and shoot cannon, and it was red and it was like 80 bucks at Walmart. Mm. And I went to Connecticut and there's like a bunch of waves on the sound in Old saybrook So I was like, let me just see if I can make this look cool without like using the basic settings. So I try to figure out. How this point and shoot had anything different than automatic, and I found like it had some it had some settings, but it wasn't anything crazy. But I ended up taking photos, and I ended up really liking how they turned out, and that sort of sparked my interest on how do I make this worth my time. Mm. And I've, I've always been one to sort of keep memories as much as possible. Um, I'm 29, and I still have I have everything from a kid, from cards, birthday cards, to notes, um, from my wife, from my family, just, I try to keep everything. Mm. And when I got more involved digitally, it sort of impacts the emotional value of like what these things mean. And I've always wanted to be able to tell a story, not through like persuading you to like it, but using your own emotion to help tell my story. Mm. So that's what really got me more involved in how do I take this picture without saying anything and you throw something and it's not right or wrong what you feel. It's just part of what the media, the media really is doing for you, which I believe most filmmakers and artists, that's the goal of art. Mm. So i I started with a little point and shoot cannon, 80 bucks at Walmart. And since then I've sort of just kept at it and, continue learning
0: so you do photography and uh video production right
2: yes i right now i am mostly focused on video production mm. i have i do photography when it needs to be and sometimes to help pay the bills and i do design work as well
1: okay so okay. i'm
2: sort of i sort of became like a one house media team I tried on everything when I was younger cuz I didn't know what I wanted to do.
0: Mhm. So did you um did you are you self-taught or did you gain a a secondary education in those So
2: yeah, um I have a degree in digital media from Lee University mm. in East Tennessee. And the thing about I feel like what we do art you don't really need a degree for this. It's sort mm. of just human emotion and I didn't really. I wouldn't say I learned a lot in college, which is kind of the wrong answer to tell people to go to college. But right? I didn't learn a lot. A lot of it was things that I already learned doing it myself. That's mm. sort of self-taught, self-taught. But what I did learn in school is how to communicate to people of all different aspects and lifestyles, kind of through me in a, a industry field-wise or like. Media, you can probably get to this, like art and media cannot be your own version. Like you don't Mm. make things for you sometimes. And, you know, get to the corporate side, which I do now, I might love something that I create, but I feel like sometimes we have to understand it's not really for me, it's Mm. for the consumer and school kind of taught me that aspect of, you know, we're doing a news program. I was a managing editor and the lead editor for my university. And when it was called Ignite News and I started just kind of being on the team and then we all kind of gained up and got that same like title could we all had the same skills and doing that in school, which wasn't really a class. It was like an activity that I joined,
1: mm-hmm. but it
2: was part of the school. So in that sense, self-taught, but then learned a lot as I got older through that development of school programming and how they sort of tackled sort of the whole approach to media. Mm. Like, I feel like a lot of people can, in a sense, you know, you, you can say what a camera is, but knowing what it does and the purpose of it, I think is what school can really teach you. No. They can tell you how to use it, but it's up to, like you have to self teach yourself how to make that, sort of impact people there's there's, there's no like humanities course for how media impacts you it's just you have to learn from your mistakes and and school taught me that for sure
0: Mm. I definitely agree I have a a degree in um, video production as well I went to school but um, what I realized is School was mainly good for, like you said, social interaction, learning how to talk to people, learning how to work on teams. And um, what bothered me is the same stuff that I was learning in school. This is when like YouTube was was becoming an, an entity, right? And all of that information was free ninety nine on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah I mean? it was. It was. Instead of paying like. 40 to 50 grand for a degree I wish I would have just been more hands-on with uh I guess self-learning and self-teaching myself That.
2: yeah and I think a lot of people uh a lot of my friends that are younger than me they didn't really take the score out because like you said it was kind of all we really had and now YouTube is your own university mm-hmm. I, like YouTube was a thing but it wasn't hugely popular yet and there wasn't things like Skillshare and MasterCraft. Yeah. It was just sort of, I know someone that knows somebody that's on a set of this production. Like, you should hang out with him and talk to him. So, yeah, it, not having that, I wouldn't say opportunity, but knowledge definitely makes school seem like the right idea at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. But knowing
2: now, if people want to go to college, I mean, good for you. I hope you enjoy it. But, <laughs> To like go to college to get it a to get a job, I don't like my degree hasn't really gotten me a job. Mm. Uh, like no one, no one's asked to see my, my degree.
0: They rather see reels and and they, products they of not, your work.
2: Like <laughs> no one said, send me a copy of your degree. They always say, "I need a I need a demo reel, I give a website." Mm-hmm. So you know that. It's you know it's a heartache in a way uh, a lot of debt sometimes most people are, I mean I'm in debt from school which is a you know a problem but yeah I've never been asked can I see your degree just a questionnaire says do you have one and they just assume all right
0: yeah I think school is important to network you know if you still keep those. uh like-minded people around, or if you haven't moved away so far, um, it's always good to network. That's how a lot of uh, productions like um, Insecure by Issa Rae was produced because she kept the network of her peers and, her, and the people she went to school with and, you know, brainstormed ideas and produced Insecure and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, uh, that is true. My best friend, uh, all my friends, really I keep in contact with closely have come from school. And mm-hmm. I still talk to them daily, and I've been out of school since 2015. Yeah, and They still live in the area, near the area. Some of them have moved, but yeah, it's I still keep those connections from the group that I actually worked with. I still talk to them and see what they're up to, and that's how you find sort of, like you said, the connections. And like minded people usually make like minded things, which you can't really go wrong if you all love it.
0: Um, let's switch it up real quick. Uh, what's in your camera bag?
2: So right now I have an A7R 2 Nice. On Sony, I have an 18 105 f4 lens. I have a Sony 35 Prime 1.8. I have a Rokinon 85 1.4.
1: Hmm.
2: And I'm a pretty big camera bag, so I can actually fit the Zoom Crane 3 gimbal with hmm. all the accessories. And I have two aperture lights. Like one of these is right here.
0: Nice, Things nice. they
2: cheap, but they do, and they work amazing. And I have two of the H4 Zoom recorders with some... I have a filter on one of them, one of their cameras.
0: So do you use... Let's say you have a future production. Do you use, like, almost everything in the bag, or...?
2: So if it's going to be very cinematic um, and a sense of, like, appealing to the eye the 1.8 lenses do really well with the like bokeh and things like that. The F4 does good. But like if I'm shooting a video for Facebook to just be informational, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't really use an 1.8. It doesn't really, it kind of becomes too focused on the image, not the message. Mm -hmm. If I use an F4, everything in the background still be visible. You can still see it. So it really depends on what the environment needs. Um, I mostly use the F four one point eight, not one point eight. F four uh it's actually a zoom lens too, so it's actually a cool lens. It's got a digital zoom as well as a power zoom.
1: So mm.
2: the I use on my gimbal is really intricate. But yeah, I mostly use the eighteen and one oh five F four for everything. It's just a convenient lens. It's not too wide angle, but it works really well. And the A7R2 is a really good camera for that lens.
0: So did you started off with Canon? When did you make this switch to Sony?
2: Uh, cost. I don't, yeah. I don't really remember Sony being that popular when I was younger. Mm. Um, funny story about why I actually chose Sony. It wasn't like initially a choice. It was an opportunity to get something better. Mm. So when I was at Lee, um, we used a 770D, I believed at Lee and a a buddy of mine, who was actually one of my instructor teachers. He was selling his A6000, his Sony A6000. And he was one of my teachers. And we talked all the time, his name was Tanner. And I was, I just kept asking Tanner about his camera because it was so small. The first mirrorless camera I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It fit in his pocket with the 35 lens and it was such a teeny camera. And we had this bulky Canon. I'm like, I just, I need it. Can I play with your camera? So he let me use it and it was a better camera to teach people what I was teaching because of the odd, like the viewfinder is, you can see the changes in the viewfinder mm-hmm. and on the camera. So he ended up letting me do payments, which I never thought he would do. He let me do payments while I was in school for his camera because he knew I was really interested and he could have sold it to anybody, but mm-hmm. he decided to let me buy it during payments. And it was a hefty camera price back then because it just came out. So I ended up using that camera to shoot a lot of the videos we did for Lee and they started getting noticed with the quality and things like that. Mm. So then we all got involved. We all started trying to, you know, find some Sony items. But when Sony first came out, their lenses were, I mean, they were so expensive.
0: Yeah. Tell me about (laughs)
2: it. (laughs) They were. I mean, I remember I I needed to get a, a sports lens and I just literally could not, come up with three grand for sports lens from a like Canon, you can just buy an adapter, but then the adapters, they were not that great. Mm. And the Sony. So I mean, really, I just started with Sony because an opportunity to try something different and I never went back. I really, I think Sony makes, in my opinion, like the best beginner camera. A6000 to this day, I still recommend to everybody trying to get into it because it's cheap, mm. it's lightweight, you get a prime lens on it and you can re- literally make some really good stuff.
1: And yeah. that's
2: kind of how I got started in doing everything is the video quality I got from that camera has sort of propelled me all the way to where I am now for my demo reel. And all of it came off in A6000 when I started. So the camera has a lot of like value to me.
0: That's, that's amazing, man. Um, what got me started with Sony is whenever I was on a running gun type photography shoot, the camera would like, my neck would be hurting after like a full days of work, you know, from carrying yeah. like a cannon and, you know, a, a really heavy lens on it. So once the A6000 came out, I grabbed it. Um, I started with the kit lens. I think it's like a 16 to 75 or something like little pancake lens or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just felt great. It felt like I could do anything. Then I purchased a, a 50 millimeter 1.4, I believe. And that was just like my bread and butter like setup up for like a, a long time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, all I had for the longest time was that A6000 with the 35 1.8 and mm. I, I could do whatever I needed. But it being a crop sensor lens, sometimes I was like, man, I have to get like 20 yards back was like to get this in frame. Mm-hmm. And that was an issue that I had. And then I would buy a pancake lens and like nothing just really blew me away like that thirty five prime lens. It's such a good lens
0: i'm I'm caught in between the thirty five and the and the eighty five just from like the aspect ratio, yeah, but um, that's just me um what's your favorite part of video editing?
2: I think it's able to tell a story without any words like the saying all the time you hear is a picture says a thousand words Mm -hmm. or video is like a crazy amount of photos in sequence. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you can get more done with a video than a photo. I believe Um, people, when I get approached for projects, I always try to sell them a video more than photography or designs because you can also just, it's kind of like, so the big thing now is TV shows. Yeah. cinema is still doing great but you've seen a lot of big actors go to the TV side of like Netflix and Hulu and mm-hmm. HBO Max because you have more time now to tell a story
1: mm-hmm. now
2: you don't see the transition with photography like that and the coolest thing you can possibly do with video is I can't let you form your own opinion on something that I'm shooting but I do believe how I edit can sort of bring an emotion out of you that is either good or bad Mm. and the purpose of what I'm shooting is either going to be that purpose and I kind of get into it man like I'll get I'll like edit and I'll play a song behind it and back to that why I choose video is music can change so much Mm. if you have the right song it's it can literally change the dynamic of the whole entire video Mm-hmm. So, like, I catch myself editing, like, when I went to Iceland, I took, like, three days to find a song to the video I made because mm-hmm. I was so determined of, like, how do I capture how amazing this was? I can post photos and everyone looks at it and says something nice about it, but, like, a video is, you're almost there. Yeah. And with the music, I can almost instill an emotion of, like, goosebumps on just a single bass hit on mm-hmm. a certain song from the, clip I use and I find like that is it's like it's a beautiful thing when you hit that correctly Mm -hmm. Um, just the sure power of a song coming in the right time when you hear or like see something beautiful can completely change the emotion and a moving subject usually keeps you more engaged and I Mm -hmm. find that's sort of like the idea of like what I want to do. I want, I want you to be engaged in my content, but I want you to leave feeling something. And I think video is the best way to do that. Especially how you edit. Fast cuts, usually, you know, fast paced movements, but that slow transition stuff. There's so many things you can do to transition or make, make or break it also. Mm. So that's really just, I can get you to feel a certain way without saying anything. And that's just, Everyone wants that quality, I think, just in conversation with somebody, like how you carry yourself. I can think a certain way about you now, but if you have time to edit what I'm seeing mm. and a sense of how I approach, see you as a person, like that's what it's all about.
0: How was your Iceland trip? Um, I, I totally agree with what you just said. Like what got me started with um, video production was as a kid, I used to watch a lot of National Geographic, you know, and even though I could not afford or was able to go to those places like Africa, India, you know, and see the animals, it's like the type of emotion and the type of cuts and the type of uh, pace that the the shows would give would make me feel like I was there. Um, Explain to me how your trip was to Iceland was and um, what made you want to go?
2: So my friend David, who was from Tennessee where I went to school. Mm. He hit me up one day and just said, hey, do you want to go to Iceland? And I was like, yes, of (laughs) course. So we started planning it. And one thing about Iceland is it's, it doesn't seem like a real place. Um, Mm. It's so off the map in a way. Like, you get there and it's just one city, Reykjavik, Mm -hmm. and we landed in Keflik, I think it's called. And, like, outside of that, it's just open land and, like, villages and huts here and there and a couple, like, really small stores. The thing about Iceland, though, is it's, like, try to imagine, like, an open canvas. You have Mm -hmm. the greatest painter looking at the canvas, it seems like everything in my was so meticulously thought of in a way, even though it's just like formations, mm. like the way everything's designed, it just seems unreal. And I can't really explain it. Um, I made a video hoping I encapsulated some of the feeling. The waterfalls, they almost have a music sound versus just water just rushing down.
1: Mm-hmm. You can like
2: feel the waterfall. Uh, there's horses running wild everywhere. Horses that are everywhere. Um, They all look crazy different and they all have a different like, they tell a story about looking at their coat. Uh, Mm. You can really see just a vast amount of like, this horse has been through a lot. The winters, we went during August, which is kind of the best time to go for the weather. It was never really above 55 degrees Mm. and it was really extremely windy. But the sun was always out. So it always felt like 65 degrees in a way. But it was very windy. So be prepared. If you have a drone. Every time you threw a drone, it was extremely windy. If you really try to encapsulate what you would describe, like really just a question for me, if I want to describe the perfect place to like experience the world, I would say Iceland. Mm. And it's so big, even though it seems small. You can't take in everything with the amount of time you're given It feels Like we were there for, I think eight days and we went all the way from Reykjavik. It's called the golden circle. So we went from Reykjavik, which would be right here. We went all the way up to Glacial Lagoon and got like an Airbnb up there. And every day in between we would stop, have a new Airbnb. And there was not one place that I wasn't just in awe. Mm. Um. It's just, I don't know how to describe it. It was just so, like, beautiful. And you have the black sand beaches. The water is, like, a neon blue in some places. You have the rock formations. I mean, there was mountains where I couldn't even see the top, and I'm looking straight at it. Like, it was just so tall. Mm. And, like, there was a drone shot in my video, and I'm, like, at the max height of my drone, and I'm still not, I'm still not above the mountain. mm And I have a Mavic, and I don't know what the max height is, the Mavic Pro, but I still couldn't see the top of this mountain. I went, like, way past the regulated 300 feet. And it was just – I'm above the clouds, and it's just insane how big. It makes you seem so small. Mm. And I think everyone should experience that feeling of, like, we have so many issues, I feel like, all the time in the world. And, I mean, really in America, a lot of the problems we have and just – how things are portrayed and seen, and what you're supposed to do with your life, and what you want to do with your life, it's kind of like the scene in um, when Thor talked to his mom. Mm-hmm. He says, "Be like, be be who you are. Like, don't be what you're supposed to be. Be who you are." And I feel like going there, I was able to actually find sort of like an inner piece of like, this is what like life it is. Like, I'm able to experience this emotion and calmness. I can have this wherever I go if I just look for it. Mm -hmm. Versus searching and falling over my feet. And, like, I just was able to bring out a different side of me that really made me appreciate waking up.
0: That's, That's heavy, man. It's extremely hard for us in America because, I mean this COVID situation is a curse and also a blessing because it made us just sit back, look within ourselves and, and see what was really going on. And before COVID, all we did was wake, wash, work, wait for the weekend, wake, wash, work, wait for the weekend, you know, and didn't really sit down and enjoy life and our surroundings. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, I would love to go to Iceland. Do you have any like plans to travel anywhere else in the future?
2: Uh, I've already talked to David and we want to go back. We want to finish the golden circle. And mm. if not there, I really want to go to Switzerland. Mm. Um, I'm really into the mountains. I like the beaches, but I'm really into just like a lake with a mountain view. I'm into like walking through like old cobblestone roads and seeing like a mountain in the distance with snow on it. Mm. and Such an inner peace about like taking a breath And just, like, seeing what's in front of you. Because most of the time when we, like, do things, we're always thinking about, like, what we have to overcome, what's behind us. But to see something in front of you that's so massive, knowing you can't, like, overcome this massive object in front of you, Mm. it's a relief knowing you don't have to. Just keep walking towards it. And the mountain, to me, is, like, that significant signal of, like, this thing probably shouldn't be here. The way it's made, years and years. But it's there. Just like you. You don't think you should be here, the years and years, but you keep building yourself up, and someone might see you as a mountain,
1: mm. and that's
2: sort of like what you want to do as like an artist. You want to become that like immovable object that's like just beautiful to look at, and also just sort of ground yourself with Iceland and Switzerland. I, I would like to go to Bali. Um, my wife wants to go to somewhere tropical, beaches mm. and stuff, which I'm fine with that, but. I'm really into the now. so Switzerland was definitely on the next on the list, or Norway. Right now, it's those three.
0: That sounds beautiful. It's just a little bit too cold for my liking. <laughs> I'm more of a tropical guy too, but I wouldn't I mind think enjoy it. It. Yeah, I
2: think you would. I think you wouldn't. It's not as cold as it sounds. Now going in the winter time, yeah, I probably wouldn't even do that. But it never like a lot of times we were there. I was probably in you know, jeans and a t-shirt and I felt fine
1: because nice. of
2: just how the atmosphere is. It's kind of cold outside, but it's really not terribly freezing. Mm. Um, There was some time at Glacial Lagoon, it got kind of cold in the air because just, just the air is cold. Yeah, I, th- I think you'd be fine. I, I only wore most of the time I had like a windbreaker, a hoodie and a t-shirt and I was never cold.
0: I definitely remember those... Uh images that you posted on uh, social media man some of the most beautiful work i've seen from you man it was great
2: oh it's i couldn't even capture what i wanted to if it was like it just it was so much
0: are you mainly a freelancer or do you work for a company or did you form your own company
2: so right now i have a four-time job working for green top green oh, wow. top sporting goods in ashton virginia
1: mm.
2: i do freelancing for myself um that started in college i originally my plan was to just work for myself Mm -hmm. but that doesn't always work out like you hope and i mean that's okay uh when i was at strawbridge actually when you met me i was in the like the transition of like all right i need to do something for myself Mm -hmm. i don't want to help i don't want to keep building up companies that i don't own or like i don't have a significant hand in. Mm -hmm. so that was sort of like a because the job, I mean, strawberries was great. It paid well. Everyone was nice. I had a good time. Just, you know, when you go to bed at night and think about your goals. It's your goal isn't to go to photography for children.
0: Yeah. Or wake I, up 4 a.m. and drive yeah. five hours.
2: And you get asked if you got the donuts <laughs> and you forgot the donuts.
0: <laughs>
2: that happened twice to me and I, they were mad at me. I, like, Man, I don't even eat donuts. I don't think about this stuff. But that's sort of where I transitioned to like, I'm gonna work for myself and I did it for a little bit, had some traction. Um, then I landed a pretty cool job and then I got laid off. And that's mm. when I sort of had to really focus on, I was laid off for about nine months. Mm. And this is before COVID. This is 2018. I was laid off and it was rough. I couldn't find nothing. I was mostly just in my head most of the time. Uh, you know, a lot of people just kind of get to that point of like, why this happened to me. And, you know, I just couldn't find the job I wanted. And I'm not, I'm not one to waste my time on things that don't help me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I could have got a job, you know, at a fast food restaurant, but that doesn't help me. Mm. I just, paying the bills is great, but your mental health is really important. Absolutely. So I mostly focus on how do I create something for me. So I started getting more involved in media and trying to really hone in my craft. And that's, I believe that's when I made my website, where I actually took the time to edit everything I've ever done into a site.
1: Mm. And
2: that's sort of when I got some traction. So then when I applied for jobs, I would include a graphic resume, which if you're watching this or hearing this, a graphic resume goes a long ways that's really appealing. It's quick. It's not that hard. You can get pre-made ones online. Mm. Um, a lot of people that have gotten jobs from me that graphic resume has stood out as creative, not just a word document. It's a creative version of yourself. You're able to make a first impression before they meet you mm. and that goes a long ways. And once I incorporated their website, doing my own thing with the graphic resume, I started getting hit up with jobs. And that's sort of what led me to where I am now with probably the best job I've ever had. Um, I do video, photography, designs. I help. I kind of do a lot of things for the company, but I'm mostly the social media guy. So I've actually self-taught myself social media over the years. Uh, I know it's going to be important one day. I might as well learn it. Now, personally, I'm not a big fan of social media. I don't really find it needing to really... I'm just not a big fan of it. I feel like a lot of people get lost in it and it kind of can be can be good and bad, but I think most people get lost in it mm-hmm. uh, Kind of like put your phone down and look outside and you don't really like what you see, but you like what's on your screen
1: mm-hmm.
2: to me that's a problem so I kind of st- once that happened, I lost my job, I stopped looking at creators instead of envying I more became resourceful so a lot of folks will look at other people's lives and like want to be like that how like you know they get in, into it for me I wanted to not be like them but to be better mm. so I would watch creators and a big one I started watching was uh, Corridor Crew on YouTube mm, mm-hmm. and Corridor Digital I watched a lot of unboxing videos with Marquis Marquis Brown I think it is Brownie.
0: I think I've seen a few.
2: Unboxed videos. therapy. I started getting more into the tech side of things and understanding that. And once I applied all the things I've learned from like the podcasts I've listened to and the videos i watch, watched, I started building myself up mentally, interiorly, and I landed some really good jobs. So then I walk mm-hmm. into like a pro, like I walk into something, I'm able to sort of reflect how I feel personally mm-hmm. into what I say outwardly. And it's sort of gotten me a long ways. Um, I try to be very, very wise with my words. And I think one thing most people could probably understand is in this industry, or just really just being a human, talking to somebody, it's best to listen just to listen versus mm-hmm. to listen until they're done so you can speak. Yeah because you miss so many things when you go back and forth trying to get your two cents in when they could have already given you all the sense you need if you would just listen and take it in. Mm -hmm. Um, With the jobs I have now, I have to be very cautious and very understanding that what is needed, I have to listen, take it in, process it, and then think before I speak because in our industry, if you approach the wrong ideas with the wrong approach, it can go bad very fast. And things cost money, and you don't want to be that person that messes up, trying to be the one that impresses or oversteps or buys too buys too too much that you can chew. Mm-hmm. So yeah, me losing that job kind of taught me all that, just from maybe I should have listened more. I
0: was about to say having a career like ours is like learning a new language in the sense, you know, it's yeah. ext- extremely hard at first. You gotta learn all the nouns, pronouns, all the syllables. But once you become fluent with it, it's easier to talk to people who speak that language, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, um that had total sense. A lot of my friends, we kind of have the same lingo. Mm-hmm. We've actually joked around like people who saw like our thread they have no idea what we're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: that's cool with us because we know what we're talking about and that's really fun to do. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes it so interesting is being able to you kind of create your own like group. Just yeah. like I've maybe talked to you like three times
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we'll have a conversation, no problem. Because we yeah. have the same passion for the same things. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it's all about. When you connect people like that, you just kind of have a good conversation and just have fun with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Walk me through the process of you creating a commercial for a specific company. Like, what's the breakdown? What do you start with and what do you end with?
2: I usually approach it with, what's the budget? I want to make sure what we're doing, who's the audience, and Mm -hmm. where is it going to be seen? Um, This is going to be, you know, Instagram video. I'm not that really concerned with, like, the crazy quality 4K because Instagram doesn't even do 4K. I think
0: it's like 1080p or something, right? Yeah, it
2: doesn't even do 4K. So Mm -hmm. you might shoot this great video in 4K, but it's not. Instagram is not going to use 4K. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So you can save money that way in budget stuff. Um, Facebook-wise, I try to make sure how long it is. For social media people out there. Three minutes is a sweet spot on Facebook. A three minute video is from what the algorithm show is the best length of a video to mm. be seen more and to have the most views, three minutes. Uh, if it's YouTube, doesn't really matter. Um, if you wanna make money, it's gotta be at least 10. Mm. Uh, you don't need 10, video, 10 minutes, you will lose money on advertising. Mm. So I ask questions about that so I know exactly what they're looking for. And then I get talent. I want to know who's in it, what their purpose is, what they're doing. And I figure that out. Then I get the cost. I make sure the cost that I have is correct before I start looking for you know items and people. And I mean, we had an um, opportunity to work with a company. Um, it was going to be like an eighty-seven thousand dollars job. Wow! And they were expecting ten k. Hmm. So you get in situations like that, it's really hard to work your way back into the conversation because mm-hmm. what they want is like, it sounds great. They see it on the phones all the time, but they don't know what goes into it.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: you have to actually, to start the project, you really have to know how to talk to someone that has no idea what you're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You, you can't, you can't throw out these big words like codec and you know, they don't care about that stuff. They just want to know you can make it look cool. Um, So the commercial, the green top, that's a very simple shoot style. So usually it's just getting someone who wants to do the video. You get them involved. But for the commercial side, you know, after you get the budget, the talent, the audience, you got to start figuring out scripts. What exactly... Are we saying, um, is a town on camera? Do they need teleprompters? Mm. And usually from what I've learned, they don't know anything. Mm. One thing you'll learn is nobody knows exactly what they need. So you sort of give them a three price budget. You give them the high end of what you think they're going to want or what you know they need, give them the middle between what they might expect. And the low end is, this is what you're expecting. This is what it is. This is what it costs. But be very specific on what it looks like, what comes with it, and most of the time, if you you know talk correctly and sort of use your lingo the right way, it's always middle or high. Mm-hmm. And if it's a low budget, I recommend not even doing it mm-hmm. because if you do a low budget, you you probably have the same problem. You're gonna put your best into anything you do. Yeah, and there's been times that I've done you know a wedding for six hundred bucks. And mm. I've like done the best I possibly could. But then they recommend me to someone else and the price is 600 Yeah. It's like, I just gave, did you a favor. And they're like, well, I mean, she won't do 600 You want to avoid that. So I actually recommend not doing the cheap jobs. It's good to get the hustle, get going. But sometimes what happens is you become that guy. And...
0: You have to know you, your worth.
2: You have to. And I've learned the hard way multiple times taking the job because I need money and realizing that I just hurt myself for like, probably longer than I expected because now all the people that see this video want to know what it cost. You lie about it. They find out now you're a liar. Mm-hmm. Try to explain yourself. You over-explain it because you don't know what you're doing. You got lucky. You hit and miss. So there's so much that goes into the commercial side as well. So back to the three quotes, you know, they pick a quote, you go into production, you start shooting. You gotta figure out how many days you have, what you're trying to do, and then get equipment list. When they agree to a budget, equipment list, lock it down. Um, with corporate work sometimes, they don't they don't pay up front. A lot of it is after the project's done.
1: Mm.
2: So understand if you need money up front, you need to work that into your contract yeah. like, as a safety measure. Um, most places you rent from, like lens rentors you're going to have to rent ahead of time or you're not going to have it. So the way I've done is I've actually worked that rental into my agreement. Like I need like 35% up front to like lock down equipment, talent, schedules. It usually works. People go with it. Mm-hmm. And besides that, you just kind of shoot it, do what you're told shoot it and understand that you're not making it for yourself. You're making it for the client who has a different fan base that you probably have for yourself. And if you go into any video making it for you besides your own personal work, someone's not going to like it. You got to accept it. Be okay with it. And with the commercial side, most of it's going to be corporate wise and seen on TV or Mm -hmm. if not TV, it's a very heavy social media push. So shoot a video knowing you can break it down in parts. So know you can break this video down to Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can break it to Facebook, break it to YouTube. So be aware of your cuts, be aware of your product, and be aware of the music you select. Like going back to the beginning, Mm. music can make or break it. And I think the most important part of video is the audio.
0: Yeah, it's half of the video.
2: If you have bad audio, no one cares what's being said. Mm. They just hear how bad it is. Yeah, and the rest of it doesn't make sense like hopefully I don't sound like trash on this podcast
0: <laughs> you sound like great that. man you sound great
2: but you, you'd be surprised when like people say shoot on your phone it looks great but it sounds terrible
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I think a lot of people find they'll get into a situation with somebody who's like well I can just do this on my new iPhone that shoots 4K at 60 frames per second that's cool but do you have a mic for your phone and output are you going to record separately and put them in premiere and sync them Mm. they have no idea what you're talking about now so you have to sort of give them almost force them to understand like you can do this for this price it's i'm not saying you can't but your consumer is not going to hear what you're saying they're going to hear how bad it is not how good it looks Mm. and you, you you're seeing so many uh, commercials on TV like the lawyer commercials, car insurance commercials, not car insurance, so that's pretty good. Car sales lots. Mm-hmm. The audio sometimes is just bad. It's yeah. all I remember from the whole video. It just sounded weird. It sounded muffled. It might look great, but it just sounds strange. And you have to see if you took the lower budget, that might be what you have to do now because you didn't get the right audio equipment. You didn't get a boom mic. You had a mic, anybody up with wireless mics and One of them wasn't working during the shoot, so you had clicking in your mic. Mm. That's really hard to fix. Now, they might see it looks great, oh, we love what you're doing, but when it's said and done, you have more work for yourself now trying to fix the audio equipment, fix the peaks. It's going to take way more time than you expect, and you're going to waste your time. And they're probably still going to have something to say about the video, and it's going to irritate you and make you uncomfortable and mad about the fact that you did it, and you're going to be probably rude, you're going to be mean about it. And you just lost a client from taking the short amount of money when the monetary gain was more than the like a long term gain. Mm. So be prepared for that. Now, when a uh,
0: quick question, when you. When a, quiet, a client really likes your, your work, um, the, the finished product, do they keep coming back to you for more like products and stuff like that?
2: Yeah. Um, so I actually ended up picking up an editing job and I did one edit. It was about you know, over a year ago. And mm. the client liked the way I did editing. It was motion graphics, like After Effects stuff. Mm. And I've had this continuous client now for like, constantly.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: like We just finished our like 13th video on editing.
0: Nice.
2: And anyone can edit. Anyone can do. Anyone can kind of do if you have their, you know, ability to edit. But like you went back to, you know, why you edit. Yeah. Everyone has a unique feel. It's like um, you can sort of see how people edit. So like you know, when you see a movie, uh, like you know who it was shot by just because of how. It's like when you see an explosion, you think of Michael Bay. Just mm-hmm. how he shoots his movies. So you kind of create your own editing style, and that's what is capturing them mm. so with um going back to what you're asking most of the time if you do it how you approach the client you get more work but if you make it for them not for yourself that's when you probably end up getting more work yeah so i had a project a while back that was mostly images and a video. Now, to me, I don't like doing that. I hate a moving picture. Like, mm. you have know, the camera, just do this to the photo, to zoom up and down on it.
1: Yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. That,
2: just, that seems so, it just doesn't seem good. But to the audience that's like 60 and 50,
1: yeah.
2: they do not care. Yeah. And I've learned, you know, I might be the editor and I'm being told like, hey, this is what you got to work with and make it look good. There's only so much you can do with a picture, In a video. And it's mostly pictures. What do you do? Okay. So if you're given uh, like 15 photos, make it into a collage, make it into something that's moving. That is the image Mm. and make your transitions. Interesting. Uh, Maybe throw some light rays on top of the image. So anything you can think of, try to think outside the box. Don't just give them a PowerPoint slideshow and then think you're done because you're not. They might, they want to be impressed. So Sometimes you have to think outside the box. And when you do that, they want to keep giving you more because they didn't think the way you did. And now they're intrigued by how you think about it. And mm-hmm. that's sort of how you keep traction moving. With all the editing jobs I've done, I put my own spin on how I handled it. And it's been continuous. We like the way you, you've done this. Keep it up. Like, they'll give me a storyboard with the edits they want, and I'll add, like, three or five myself. And that's what keeps them like, man, this is really cool that he's doing something different than we asked, but it fits within our, what we want. Yeah. So if you do that, you'll get the same client over and over.
0: When you said the picture thing, I could, I couldn't... do anything but think about my grandfather watching the history channel about those old war uh <laughs> war uh shows and stuff like that yeah, but I don't know it's 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 definitely uh a crazy process um how do you like hone your skills do you practice every day do you uh go on youtube do you read like how do you improve your skills
2: uh and really, I just understand that I can always get better. So mm. therefore, I always look for ways to get better and honing your skills. I think what most of us do is we kind of only attack our strengths. Mm. And then eventually that runs out with how creative you can be. Mm. So I've actually dove into things that I'm not good at. Mm. And I use what I am good at to help strengthen those. Um, when I first started doing this animation editing for like After Effects, I didn't really know what I was doing. I use Premiere to create After Effects graphics. Mm. That's not the right way to do it. But if you know Premiere, which is your skill, you can make it work. It's, yes. you can, they have keyframes. There's ways to do it. So honing to your skills is using the best that you have, but knowing, use those skills to make everything else sort of lift up. And when you do that, you kind of find your image, your identity. Mm. And I remember taking, um, it was a Briggs and Myers test in college. Okay. It was like your personality traits. Yeah. I actually find that very helpful to know, to try to get an idea of how a third party sees how you think.
1: Mm.
2: So um, like mine, I think it'd be like your definition. Mine was INTP which is interpersonal and like the way it describes you sort of like, okay, maybe I do think like that. So mm. what if I approach a project like the way I'm being told, I think,
1: mm.
2: and then you start seeing different traits and different ideas that you don't really think about. And also take a break. Don't force yourself to get something done. Take a break. I think I've had the most creative ideas by walking away from something and coming back. Yeah. And I think you can really hone your your skills with, knowing it doesn't have to always be incredible or the best you can possibly do. Cause you're going to drain yourself. You're going to end up being so tired of doing it. There was a time when I was, I was kind of done with media. I just was so tired of doing the same thing over and over doing the same process. And, you know, sort of like that point and shoot, copy and paste, slap it on. You're done every day. Yeah. So I just, I just away from that and, you know, if you want to hone your skills, don't constantly just wreck yourself with work. Understand you need to have time for yourself. Yeah. Um, have time just for you. And I think that's how you sort of find what makes you you and how you operate. And then you can find your skills through that. So one thing i run learned, that which is a big skill for me, is patience. I
0: yeah. can have
2: someone talk for 10 hours about what they want, and I can just sit there and let them talk. And sometimes that patience is what can get you a project, is being willing to listen to somebody. And I'm very communicative. I probably talk too much sometimes. But communication really helps, you know, get an idea of who they are. So one good thing to pick up is to learn. This is cliche, but learn a little about a lot pick up things you don't even know about just look like watch a video on how to build a computer just learn some things and i've met um clients who i had i don't know, i don't know anything about or like they might be wearing like a football hat they're wearing a baseball hat i know enough about sports because i love sports to get a conversation going mm. to get into that mindset of like how do i transition this into something else um like, you want a Nike shirt, I can ask, like, do you work out? Do you run track? What do you do? And I know a lot about fitness, um, mm. so then that's a way to tie into it. And the next thing you know, you're talking about cameras because you do camera work and start your eye. And that's really how you can hone your skills because you'll you're start seeing what works and what doesn't. And what doesn't work doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means in this sort of situation, make everything else uplift like that. Mm. And that's how you hone your skills, I think.
0: I think I might get this quote wrong, but Bruce Lee said, um, practice the same kick 10,000 times a day or something like that. Um, Even though you're practicing that same kick, you have to rest. You know, that's when your muscles develop, not when you're working out, but when you're resting. You know what I mean? So after you rest, you get back up and you practice some more.
2: And most of the time, when you take a rest, you realize, you know, I wasn't even thinking of this. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of that. Like, yeah, I should totally use this different color, this text font, this music. So it goes a long ways with that.
0: Let's 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 talk about movies, man. What what is your top three movies of all time?
2: I really enjoyed Interstellar. Nice. Um, a personal favorite of mine is a movie called Hot Rod.
0: I think I remember that. I remember that movie. It was
2: Andy Samberg's first movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And that
2: movie to me was like when I really, like, it was just the time I watched it and how young I was and the things I did with my friends, like that was our, like that was our friendship. Like the stuff that we did was what we saw on a movie. And I just, mm. I've never got over how great, I, how much I love that movie. It is a great movie. Yeah. Um, Cinema wise, it's okay. But story wise, it's a great movie. Recently, a movie that I've really enjoyed was *Honey Boy*.
0: Oh, Shia LaBeouf!
2: That the storytelling of that movie was really intriguing to me, mm. and it hit me on a personal level just how he's telling his story. Um, I thought it was shot nicely. I thought it look great, uh, but it picked just cinema *Interstellar*. Uh, I'm huge into comics, so I got to put in *Infinity War* in game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Winter Soldier, for sure. I'm really into that stuff. There's, I've seen so many movies,
0: man. I know. I've seen a ton since COVID started. It's like we watch three movies every day.
2: You know, a movie that got slept on that I think is really great was Dread 2012. Really? That movie is beautifully shot
0: yeah it's
2: really it's really pretty and the reason why i got stepped on is it came out at the same time as the avengers
0: yeah yeah i don't know man i I like the the original with uh sylvester stallone like that to me that's my childhood right there
2: yeah i just i agree i mean they're both good in their own way just i'm watching dread 2012 like the slow motion scenes with like the lights coming off the glass and the smoke okay. oh, man it was just so fun to like watch.
0: It was like a, a painting for real. It was
2: just so like pretty.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I think that that movie was that movie was pretty good. It that slept on. I really think so. But really anything, you know, like Interstellar was amazing. I loved Inception. I mean mm. I really want to see uh Tenet, or was it Tenet
0: tenant uh with uh what's his name washington i forget his what name is it called
2: tenant or tenet i don't know
0: i think it's tenant uh i watched it but uh it was kind of like the bootleg version so it wasn't really <laughs> clear
2: um, yeah i know it i know it says that december 3rd it comes in digital yeah I said, I, i'm definitely going to see that that looks extremely interesting
0: yeah the concept was was intriguing i like the way they shot it um It's hard to follow on the first watch, but the second watch is is pretty good.
2: Yeah, it's. I imagine it's pretty confusing. And I really enjoyed all the Lord of the Rings movies. The first ones, not. Mm -hmm. uh, The Hobbit was okay, but those movies are just incredible for how much they had to do. All those miniature sets and stuff, that's just incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I think they're definitely up there for like top movies. And I really enjoyed the Hate for Eight. Uh,. And there's probably like a thousand movies I'm going to start thinking of when this is over. <laughs> I just, I watch probably like four movies a week just because yeah. I enjoy it. Um, late night stuff before I go to bed, I'll have a movie or something on.
0: So would you be interested in like creating a narrative type film?
2: Yeah, I've, I have a script I'm working on. Um I would love to sort of have that honey boy effect of a film. Yeah. I really... I want to sort of take my personal, personal vendettas and struggles and turn it into something everyone can see and relate to in a way. And mm. I, that's sort of what I really want to do. And the name of the film would be, it's called Strawberry Milk. Mm. And
0: where, <laughs> where, did you, where did you get that from?
2: So I'll give you the sort of the synopsis in a way or like the scenario of how it works. So okay. when I was a little kid, I can't remember how old I was, but that's really all I remember as a kid all the time because it happened every day. My dad would go to work super early and every day he'd wake me up and give me a glass of strawberry milk and Mm. tell me he loves me before he went to work. Mm. And like that connection with like my father has never like died. Mm. I've always like, I always think of that as like, he, this man didn't have to do any of that. He could have just went to work and I wouldn't even know and I was dead asleep yeah and but the one time he didn't do it i remember how like mad i was for no reason i was like man where's my where's my milk like this sucks yeah i started thinking as i got older you know like those moments is sort of like what can really shape you as a person it's like taking things for granted but also like people could think of money and all that i'm thinking of strawberry milk (laughs) like i could have happily got my ass up and got my own cup of milk but I didn't because you got it. You sort of expected it at a point. And like the film would sort of be about like the relationship you have with like individuals. And when you start expecting things, you start grieving things that are, have already been there. You start Mm -hmm. getting mad about things that like you didn't even notice were things. And it kind of, it would kind of go through my whole and like, upbringing and what I've been through with things
0: around my family and things I've experienced growing up and strawberry milk. Yo, I, I really like that concept, man. I really like that concept. Um, It's like, we don't really think about those type of things when we're kids, you know, even sometimes shun it. Like, why are you doing this? But once we get older, we come to realize that we needed that, you know what I mean? Like- yeah,
2: it was actually, some that actually was really impactful. And like, going back to what I said about, like, it's really fascinating how it, it could take you 20 years to finally understand what happened 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, the fact that your mind is able to remember that and not process it in the time, and now you're, you know, I'm 29, it's like, I had this, this whole time in my life and it just now made sense to me. Yeah. But I mean, it made sense to me when I was like, you know, older, not like, I mean, like 15, like the spot that I am now being able to tell a story. It's such a grasping concept, I think, because everybody wants that relationship with somebody. Yeah. Like to wake up and know like this person woke up thinking of you And then when the moment they don't think of you in that morning, you get all these weird feelings. Like they forgot about me. What did I do wrong? Maybe he Mm -hmm. didn't go to work. Maybe he's not home. Mm -hmm. So it is sort of, it's just a weird thing. that I, I I hope, I hope most kids have that experience with, you know, it could be an uncle or anything. Just they care so much about you in the moment when they forget to in a way, or don't even think about it. Like, That's what I think makes you really appreciate somebody. And like, I still have like birthday cards from my uncle. Mm. So when I was a kid, he wasn't around a lot. So when he did come around, he gave me a card and I kept that card to this day. I was like 11 when I got it. I still have the card because in that moment I was like, I'm going to want this one day and think about this. Mm -hmm. And, I think at a young age, I started thinking like that, like trying to think of the future, like someone's going to want to see this picture one day. I'm going to keep it.
0: And not even that, it's like when you hear certain music, it could take you back to a memory of like when I hear Marvin Gaye, it takes me back to my mother cooking Sunday dinner. You know what I mean? Mm With Marvin Gaye blasting on his... and I can I can smell the food, and I can like almost taste it in a sense, and it takes me back to that inner child. You know what I mean?
2: And it's nothing. You can't really capture that. Like it's not. You can't falsify it. It just it happens.
0: Yeah. There's
2: no way you can make it happen. It just happens, and I think that's what I'm trying to like make a movie about. Like how do how do you how do you capture that It was not meant to be captured? Like I have an uh, old car, I have an 84 Firebird that's like, doesn't run. But in high school, I spilled a bottle of, it's called Jupe Cologne. Mm. And it's, the car smells like it. I could never get it out. Every time I open the door, I smell it. And I, like for a, half a second, I'm in high school driving my Firebird to school. All because of a smell that I, when it first happened, I was mad. Like, what the heck? This whole thing exploded. And now I'm, like, thankful that I did that. Because I'm never going to lose that, like, moment. Mm. That smell that brings me back to, like, when I first met. And now my wife, the girl I'm going to marry, and my girlfriend, and my friends in school. Just everything that came with high school all comes back from an accident I made. 14 years ago Mm. now that i like i'm happy i made that mistake which goes like sort of just it's kind of like a life lesson like things happen for a reason yeah okay but i mean i remember this is a off subject but that's fine Mm, that's fine so when i lost my job i remember like praying and you know trying to get to a point in my head like all I need is this and this and this, and I'm good, my life is great, I'm happy again, blah, blah, blah. Everyone goes through that moment. And then when you get that moment, you forget the fact that you asked for this a year ago and you have it and you're still complaining. Yeah. Like, when's enough enough? Yeah. Um, Like, during COVID, luckily, I've had a job the whole time. Mm -hmm. We never closed. The way they do it here is, I mean, since it's sort of essential in a way, we never closed. So I've had a job the whole time during COVID. Mm. Now, I worked extremely long hours. It's been annoying, et cetera. But two years ago, I didn't have a job. Yeah. So like, I have to keep in mind in myself, like two years ago, you, this is what you asked for and you have it. Why are you complaining now? Yeah. You, you're just going to keep asking for something else and then get it and get it. And you're never going to be satisfied. And mm. if you can't accept the fact like, just take what you have and be great for and happy. Life is going to stop moving so fast, I feel like. Yeah. Just take a deep breath and understand this is where you are. Yes, everybody wants to you know, get a better job or you know, do better for themselves. We all want that. But you can't force it because of sorrow or sadness. It has to just happen. And you still don't put let that it, work in. If you don't let it happen, you're just going to yeah. keep telling yourself, all I need is this, all I need is this. And you, you get that, like, you get remorse for and resentful for people that are doing better than you. And that's not the point. Mm. Like, be happy they're doing great. Be be excited for them. Like, our true friend is someone that goes out of their way to congratulate somebody with success. Like, I'm so happy you're just, that's great. Like, that's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. Not, I mean, that's cool and all, I guess, but, like, no, you don't do that. And yeah. I think if you sort of make your job, your friend in your head. Like, I'm happy I have a job. I wonder what they're up to in a sense of be appreciative of that job as if it's a, like a friend you haven't seen. Because mm. that friend can leave you and you're going to be like, man, I really miss that person. You're going to miss your job if you don't have it. Yeah. So that's sort of how I, the whole thing sort of approached it and how I got to here and yeah, thought I should just throw that in there. It's really important. I feel like to really understand that boundary of like complaining
0: mm. that's deep, man, that's heavy, I think um that's like a an amazing concept and idea to end with um I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with me and um You dropped a lot of gems manny you're you're wise beyond your years dude like seriously (laughs) thank you problem i'll
2: put it it all in my movie of why
0: (laughs) so um do you have any like social media website that uh the people can be directed to to see some of your stuff
2: yeah my website is the real hero.com and r-e-e-l um my Jeep has R-E-E-L and people think it's a fishing Jeep because they mm. think it's a fishing reel. <laughs>
1: it's
2: not. So T-H-E-R-E-E-L H-E-R-O dot com. My Instagram is Brysta B R Y S T A H H, and my website has everything you can find on my social media All of that. It's everywhere on there. Mm. And yeah, just hit me up if you want to just talk, hang out. I got a lot to say, as you can tell.
0: <laughs> it's amazing, man. Um, if you're ever in D.C. or if I'm ever in, I, I think, Virginia, right? I would love to kick it yeah. and just, you know, shoot the shit.
2: Yeah, I live in Richmond, so it's not too far from me in like an hour and
0: a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, man. But uh, I really appreciate it. All right.
2: Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Cool, man. Thanks again. Peace. Later. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Here is your quote of the day. The most honest form of filmmaking is to make a film for yourself. Peter Jackson. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share, comment and have a great day, people. Peace.